Hello, you're all very welcome to the latest episode of the Celtic Soul Podcast with me, Andrew Millen. Joining me on today's podcast will be Johnny Ward, Dublin actor and famous for his role in Love Hate. Today's episode has been kindly sponsored by Nuvalex Medical. Paul and his staff have been busy throughout the COVID-19 crisis sourcing PPE equipment and medical supplies so we can all return to work safely. And talking about getting back to work, it's great to see the players are back in Lennox Town as they prepare for pre-season and the 10 in a row. Our captain Scott Brown said it was great to be back on the grass and I think one of our former managers may have been back on the grass on Wednesday night judging by some of the tweets and bullshit he came out with. John Barnes upset a number of Celtic fans on social media as he tweeted about rewriting his Celtic history. John, we are a club like no other. We're not a racist club, so do not try to play the race card is why you lost your job. You lost your job because we were hammered by Inverness Caledonian Thistle and the headlines read before he was sacked. Super Cali go ballistic. A night many of us will never forget. Like Tony Mowbray, who's not a black man, you were sacked. Tony Mowbray was sacked as well because results didn't go his way. John, no manager has ever been sacked by Celtic for his race, his colour or his creed. It's disappointing to hear these comments because what a player John Barnes was and what an ambassador for the black community. So here's how we got on chatting to the very talented Johnny Ward. My guest today on the podcast is a Dublin actor. Johnny Ward. We interviewed Johnny a few years back for the fanzine about his love of Celtic. And since then, he's been a busy boy on screen, stage, and even on the dance floor. Johnny, how the hell are you, pal? Do you know what, Andrew? If you had asked me that question about two months ago, it would have been a different story. But I'm a lot better now. <laughs> so how are you getting on? Good? Yeah, not bad, Johnny. We were lucky enough. We got home from Thailand in one piece. We were over there at the Celtic Festival when everything went into lockdown and we got home. Yeah. So uh, As mad as ever. Beach parties and everything, yeah, the pool parties. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, it was great. Though. And we met some great people. A lot of the Australian and New Zealand-based uh, Celtic fans there, they had to go home a little earlier. Obviously, New Zealand was the first to lock down, but it's worked yeah. out for them. But I'll just share a little story before we go into chatting about yourself, Johnny. There was a young lad from Belfast. He's living in New Zealand. So he travelled from New Zealand to Australia and Australia then on to Thailand. And he was having a ball. And he got word that he needed to get back to New Zealand. At great expense, he flew to Singapore. From Singapore, he flew to Australia. And when he got to Australia, he was told New Zealand was closed. And they put him on a flight and flew him to London. And then from Shit. London, he made his way to Glasgow. And by the time we got home from Thailand, I think he had a job in Glasgow. But he's, he's, looking, <laughs> he's looking to get back now. Stephen was his name. It's some crack yeah. with him. But by the time we got home, he'd been around the world twice. Were you there long, Andrew? We were there, we arrived in Dubai on the Torsi, Bangkok on the Friday, and into Pattaya where the festival was on the Saturday, and we came home a week later. We were meant to go yeah. to the islands for a couple of days when it was finished to chill out, but it didn't happen. But look, we, we yeah. get there again. We've just 10 in a row to look forward to now. Exactly, and I saw that today. It's good news. Good news to be a Celtic, good day to be a Celtic fan. I saw um, in Sham and also... Edward, they've come out and said, they've hinted that they're definitely going to be staying because I know there's been a lot of speculation regarding Edward, is he going to stay? Is he going to go? You've heard this before about players saying, oh yeah, we're going to stay. And then a big money offer comes in, especially from down south and they go, they don't really have a choice. But I think with what he said, he did an interview yesterday on Celtic TV and he's really, really hinted that he's going to stay for 10 in a row, which is great news. And Sham as well, he was doing obviously about his 
his goal that won an award there for the, the one against Lazio, and he's hinted it as well. So it's it's looking good. It's a massive season, Johnny. And if we don't keep our best players, we're cutting our chances down. We need we need to strengthen, not weaken. But again, there's a lot of vultures from the Premier League and throughout Europe will be circling around Celtic Park because he is a quality well, young great. player. Yeah, it's a great way of putting it, Vultures. Uh, and you're right, you know, I mean, if someone had said to me about two months ago that Samunovic and, and, and Hayes would be gone, I would have told them where to go. So it's, I think, still an awful lot of unanswered questions with the two of them because I thought that they were consistent. Massive fan of both of them as well. I thought Johnny Hayes had uh, much more to do with his career. I think this season, he really, really kind of showed his true colours as, uh, as a Celtic player as well. And for him to just have gone, I don't know. I think there still there's an awful lot of unanswered questions. I do think we need to strengthen our, our squad. But, uh, you know, as I say, it's, it's great news that the French boys are saying. I think with Johnny, and I, I don't want to talk out of school because I don't know the facts, but for a player to announce on Instagram before it comes out on the official club website is unusual. Johnny has always been... I, I met Johnny once in Glasgow Airport. He was coming home for a race meeting and he was telling me that, you know, he was happy to be a squad player. He was very happy to fill in when needed. And he always has. It's disappointing to lose someone that can play in a, a number of positions. Oh, big time. Yeah, big time. And not only him, you know, with, with Simunovic, and, you know, he came, pretty much came out of nowhere. And then do you remember there was limbo whether he was going to stay at Celtic or not? He was linked to another club for a long time. An Italian club, wasn't it? Yes. He was both for a long time. And then he just, I don't know, he's obviously, you know, he's got, he's famous for, for the, for the Miller tackle and also for the, I mean, that that goal that he scored, obviously with the B Mac Neal goal, as we call it as well. And I just thought he was a real squad player. I saw the two of them staying for a long, long time. So disappointed that the two of them are leaving. But you know what? Who knows? It, it's it's going to constantly chop and change. I think, let, look at the difference in when Lenny was offered the job again. You know, there was a lot of people who were really disappointed. They didn't want him to come back. They thought his time had gone, but he's, he's shown it and proved once again that he is the, the right man for the job. And I think it will happen. I think we will be ten of rubber. I think it's going to be a very, I think it's going to be a tough season. Sure, he sure has. Big Yosef, um, I think when you speak about that Italian move, I think he was actually in Italy, in a cafe, ready to sign and, and, and yeah. something happened. They went tits up and he came back Maybe a bit injury prone as well. He's had a lot of time on the sick list, I suppose. Maybe they took that into consideration. But it's one of those players, well, he had, he'd lost an awful lot of respect from the Celtic players due to that as well. It was like James Forrest on Ronnie Doyle's last match. And we saw, you know, I think Izzy Geary was saying that it was his last match in James Forrest. There was, you know, speculation that he was gone. I've just been watching this thing recently on, uh, on YouTube. It's a lad called Henrik Seven. I don't know if you've, you've seen it. And they've pretty much done a different, uh, a different, He's done it himself. He's done like the nine in a row, all nine seasons. And it's, I'm up to kind of season seven, season eight now at the moment. And when you look at the likes of, there's two players, in my opinion, that have just been so, so underrated. You don't really hear about them as much as, as you probably should do. People talk about Scott Sinclair and stuff like that. So the statistics when he joined, particularly the first two years, he was, he was a truly phenomenal player. And this, the three players that just come across, obviously Sam Ross, particularly in Europe, uh, phenomenal player. Anthony Stokes, what he did for us domestically, if you go back and look, it's just phenomenal. The goals that he scored, really, really important goals. And the other one is James Forrest. And we know that we know that Forrest and Bruni have been there for the, throughout the whole thing and will be, you know, the only two players to should have happened 10 in a row um, consistently year in, year out. What a phenomenal player. Absolutely phenomenal. Life and soul of the team so many. A, a, a quiet, very, very quiet player. He seems quite quiet. He seems quite shy and quite young. 
really what he's achieved with, with Celtic. And I know he, he had a book out there last season. A lot of people, you know, does he deserve to have this book? I think from the fans, a lot of people are really going to get this book. Really, football-wise, what he's done for the club is incredible. Well, it's funny. You mentioned two players there, Stokesy and James Forrest. And they were both the players that bailed Neil Lennon out the first time around in Kilmarnock, if memory serves me right. They came out at half-time and they... 3-0 down game, wasn't it? Yes. And Stokes just... It's like he just took two chances. I think as far as I know, he got two goals and Forrest got the other one. But Or was it Mistorovic? I think Mistorovic got the other one. I can't remember. But I remember just watching... And you're right. But going back with Stokes, I just don't think he gets the, the credit he deserves as a Celtic player. I don't know why. Maybe it was like he started from Falkirk and then straight away... I think it was like 2005, 2006 season. There was talk about him going straight to Celtic. He went down. He went to, to Sunderland, as far as I know. Then it was like the hips. But as a Celtic player, when you look back at those seasons, uh, when Lennon obviously takes over, he really is domestically. I know he struggled in Europe, and himself and, and Samaras, it's like a, a vice versa sort of thing. With Samaras in Europe, not so much domestically, even though he did score important goals. Anthony Stokes really, really scored really important goals. I, I think it was Liam Brady because he would have been uh, head of youth to Arsenal when, when Stokes and the likes of Graham Barrett went to Arsenal. And I think it was Liam Brady that says if Anthony Stokes had pace, he would have been more class. Yeah. So he, he saw yeah. something in him as a young player. You travel over with Nave Park. It must be, with the busy schedule you have, it must be very hard to get over. It is. And uh, it's because, you know, when I'm not working professionally as an actor, you try and keep yourself in the same, you try and keep yourself in the same industry. So I teach, I teach drama to, to kids and teenagers and adults. And unfortunately, the day that we do it is Saturday. So I'm missing all the Saturday games. So what I do, I never, I can never watch a Celtic game live. Uh, so subscribe to Celtic TV and I just watch it then afterwards. If any of my friends, they just know, they just know not to talk about the score. But anytime there's a Wednesday kickoff or, or Sunday, I'm usually there. I'd ring, I'd ring uh, Kieran, Kenny, and the lads, and they've always sorted me out. I've been a member there since uh, 2003, I think. Other uh, seconds I've known. And not only that, I think the last, when, when lockdown was announced, the first thing I did was like, I need to get over. So I went to, I think they had three or four matches left. I went to the Fir Park one against Motherwell, and then the last, the home game they were against, against Hearts. I think it was a 4 0 uh, win. And, uh, just, I don't know, it's, you know yourself, it's an addiction and uh, you try and get over as much as possible, try and bring as many friends over. And what I try and do is I try and turn my friends into, even though they're not, try and turn them into Celtic supporters. Same as, uh, because a lot of my friends will support Celtic, but as a secondary club, you know, they'll support United or uh, City. There's, for, there's, a lot, there's a lot of that in Ireland. I, I, support, I brought like, friends myself over and family and they ought to get it. If you don't get it the full day, they ain't getting it. You know that you know yeah. it, it's not something that you know you grow into. You either get think, or, you, or you don't. I think it's when the the doors of the history are opened, and then they find out. You know the massive Irish connection because so many people are who aren't Celtic supporters. They understand that it's you know a Irish founded club, but then they get they find out about the history and all the Irish heritage as well, and then they they get involved. And so many of my friends became Celtic fans during the. Ireland and Saipan, the uh, 2002, and then obviously it was a massive hangover because we got to the, the, the last 16 against Spain, and that was a, a world-class side that we lost on penalties as well. I remember Ian Hart missing a penalty and horrible, but then I think so many people were hungover about it, and then that was 0-2-0-3, isn't it? And then that was when Celtic went into the, the Champions League and they had a good run, and then they went into the, the UEFA Cup, and then since then a lot of them have become 
overnight sort of overnight Celtic fans since then. Um, but just to see, you know, because a club with so much Irish attached to it, doing well in Europe, and that's why I'm always asked the question: Oh, you know, well, what do you think about Celtic going down south? I don't want it to happen. What's your opinion on that? Would you would you want that to happen? I'd love to see Celtic with a bigger budget to be able to play better teams, but it would kill the Scottish game probably. Like, like the jury's out on it. I don't think it's ever going to happen, but the jury's out. Um, yeah. I tell you what I do love, but I love when we do draw an English team and no one gives us a chance and we go down and spank them. Yeah, and that's and that's what we would lose if we do that because it's a once in a, you know, it doesn't happen every say, every so often. And also if we were to go down south, the opportunity to play in Europe as much probably wouldn't be as possible with how much. But I think, Johnny, I think, you know, like we would have a huge budget down there and, you know, we'd be able to attract top players. Like it's not, like, and no disrespect to the current squad, but a lot of them players wouldn't be in the team if we were down south because we'd be competing. And to compete, you have to, you'd have to spend big, big, big money. And, yeah. you know, but we would be earning a lot more money. But there's clubs in the Premier League that don't need fans inside to make a profit. There's no yeah. team in Scotland can say that. So that's, that's, like, that's the big, big, big money difference. Um, yeah, you said there about Nave Park and you mentioned Kieran Kenny and uh, another, another old pal of mine from the bus there is, is Anto and he, he calls the, the Nave Park bus the chariot. Uh, I've had some <laughs> great times. Um, I've had some great times on the bus and then when we, when we formed our own club over 20 years ago, um, because we, we would have travelled originally with Nave Park. I have some great stories and great memories being on the boat with Anto and all the boys, Jared Brady and Kieran Kenny, and they're all great lads. So I, I know exactly the enjoyment and the crack on them buses. They are it's, it's a phenomenal, phenomenal experience. And I'll never forget the very first time we did it myself. It was 2004, as far as I know, it was my first time. And I, I had gone over, but I used to go with like Abbey Travel and pay like 100 quid or whatever for that in a Premier Inn ticket over and back, try and get the cheapest flights. And then I found out about Neve Podrick uh, by a friend of mine, a mutual friend. He said he was part of the Celtic Supporters Club. I went over and, it, you know, you, it, and it's still the same. You leave Colabore Street, something like half four in the morning. It has been earlier. And it's just literally a sea of green and white. The bus, people are singing songs. You don't get off the bus and you're, you're up to, to Belfast. You get on the ferry and it's like you feel very much part of this green and white army that is going over for one thing and it is to support your club you get off there you go you go traveling and it's non-stop singing the songs singing the rebel songs the celtic songs you get there you do the match and then it's straight away and one thing i love about Nick Podrick is they won't wait for you they'll tell you listen you got 15 minutes you get back on the bus and everyone else is on that bus um and then you go back you don't get back till about half five in the morning you know the following day and it's you're wrecked down for the week but it's worth it and you meet friends, you meet people, you meet, that's what I love about Celtic, you know, it brings people, it brings friendships together, it brings relationships together. Um, and you meet people from all over the world and all over different parts of Ireland and you're chatting to them because, you know, usually there's a, to talk to people, quite difficult sometimes. With Celtic, there's just so much. You can talk about the history, the current squad, you know, what, what, what's it going to be like in the future? What's going to happen after town in a row? And it's just interesting to hear everyone's opinions, everyone's favourite players, their favourite moments. I always have this thing. Seven Kieran has spoken about it all the time, and Kieran's such a Celtic fan. You know, what is your cel- overall Celtic moment, or is there an overall Celtic match that you'd want to attend, or if there was one player in history that you'd like to see? We can talk about it for for hours and hours and hours, you know? 
No better man than Kieran to talk about. Okay. There's a question for you, Andrew. While I have you, I'll ask you a question. Do you have, is there any particular moment like in the history or a match that you would have just given your left arm to have gone soon? I would have loved, well, obviously, you know, you'd love to be in Lisbon. I would have loved to be at the cup final in 88 when we done yeah. the double with McAvenny. Went one nil down, you know. That would that would stick out. Now I could I could think of another one tomorrow. There could be another game that would, but that's just one because that's when I started following Celtic. Yeah. In a weird way as well, it's it's the ones that aren't on on video footage that makes it much more of a like a prestigious moment. The big of course the famous the Patsy Gallagher goal where he so apparently somersaulted into the yeah. into the net. That's something I'd you know, yeah. The fact that there's no footage of it, it kind of makes it more oh well and you see it in books, and then there's the, the Charlie Tully goal, isn't it? Where he, he took it from a corner, and then the ref stops and said, You have to do it again. He did the exact same thing again. Go it again. And that's that's what it was. That was me like reading books as you know, 14, 15 year old, and just finding out about these moments. And it just, yeah, I'm so lucky editing the fans in because we've David Potter writes for us. He just, you know, like he just has such a knowledge, and then he he, he plays it down because he, he speaks about other historians. And I love when the articles come in because I'm forced to read them. There's always something I don't know because he gets more and more and deeper and deeper into the history because he's probably been writing for us for almost 19 years. So, you know... Yeah, is it as long as that, yeah? Yeah, no, we're, we're, we're on the go 19... This is our 19th year, I think. Yeah, 2001, we started. But we wouldn't, we wouldn't be able to continue without the support of Shatlick fans and the likes of Kieran Kenny taking a bundle onto the bus. And it's not this thing where, you know, we have a big distribution deal. You need the fans to support it. And they have... Yeah. A lot of times, I would say to Kieran, I would say to others, look, I'm thinking of going digital or I'm thinking of packing it in. And they would always encourage it to keep it going. And obviously yeah. now we have a full platform. We have podcasts, we have YouTube, you know, we have the website. So it's kind of, it's kept me going during the lockdown because I've no real work. So it's keeping me going every day doing something. And it's great to get the podcast going as well. So I'm happy with that. But enough of it, me, right? Johnny, probably your big break. Was your big break, love, hey? I would have been, yeah, yeah, definitely opened up a lot of opened up a lot of doors. It was always something since it was 2010, and I went for the first season. I went for uh, went for Elmo, which was played by uh, Lawrence Kinlan, and then I don't know, it took off, really took off as season three, uh, and it became this thing that everyone on a Monday morning, where they'd usually be talking about the football results, a lot of people in the office were talking about love hate, and it was the first time I think that. RTE or an Irish production have really taken a risk because you see these, you know, worldwide famous productions now like Mrs. Brown's Boys who made a fortune with the BBC, won BAFTA, same as Father Ted, Hattrick Productions, Channel 4 made millions out of it. But these are Irish and it was the first time I think RTE was like, do you know what? Let's do it and let's see if, uh, let's let's take a risk. I think the first episodes were on a Sunday. It was like 10 o'clock, so really, really late at night. But it was something that so many people used to say to me, would you not get into Love Hate? Would you not get into Love Hate? Again, season three, I went for it, a different part, never happened. And then, yeah, season five, eventually it happened. And it was brilliant. And it was it was daunting. It was nerve-wracking because you're the only new character um, joining. And everyone else, I suppose, they are the reason as to why this season has taken off. And you don't want to be a passenger. So uh, worked hard. And uh, it was brilliant. Phenomenal experience. And they're showing it now at the moment. There's uh, repeats because they don't know what else to be showing on Irish TV. So the show repeats a little bit, which is great. But yeah, and then then on from that, you know, it opened up more doors and people like, you know, love hate fans, Ron, Ron Howard, you know, like a world-class, incredible actor and also director and producer uh, himself and Linda Wolverton got in contact 
uh, Linda Wolverton as the writer of The Lion King, and Pierre Morel, who was directing um, Taken. They got in contact. They wanted to see me audition for uh, a TV show called Clan of the Cave Bear, which is all about Neanderthals, and it was funded by Fox TV. They put $32 million into it. We spent 2015, the whole summer in South Africa, filming it, and the whole thing completely flopped. Whole thing completely flopped. We signed contracts to the year 2022, so it was like a seven-year contract, and the whole thing flopped. So then you're back to back to square one again, and you're auditioning for various different roles in pantos or musicals or TV shows, and then Fair City came along and, and Coppers, and then the rest is uh, the rest. I mean, it's just the life of an actor; it can be very much up and down. Just on Fair City for our listeners, because we have a worldwide audience, thank God, and we have a, a, a biggest audience is across the water. Fair City is the Coronation Street of Ireland. You know, that's yeah. if, I could just exp- if I could explain that for uh, non-Irish listeners. I remember speaking to Aaron McCusker from Seamus, who's coming on the show in a couple of weeks. And Aaron yeah. was saying he was offered a soap opera. I'm not sure if it was Amadella or Coronation. And his agent advised him not to take it. And he said it was the worst thing he'd ever done. He'd love now to have had a part in a soap opera. The thing about it is, if you want to go into something, like Love, Hate was brilliant, right? Yeah, it was great. Everyone watched it. Everyone knows what it is. It's brilliant. Love, Hate for me was about a nine-week acting gig overall. Um, and it was brilliant. The six episodes, and then after the nine weeks, it's back to the scratch and thinking, okay, what am I going to do now? I go back to teaching or do I do something else? When you do something like a soap, your face is known for that. And there is... Uh, there's uh, a part of you that thinks I'm not going to be taken seriously now for other films or for like, you know, a more thriller kind of film or, or anything else because people will say, well, that's your man from, from that soap, you know, or would we, if you were watching a new, say you were watching this new, you know, MMA movie or something like that. And then all of a sudden you saw Chesney from Coronation Street as the main lad, you'd probably think to yourself, here, I'm not watching this, you know, but in Ireland and for consistency, Every actor will say it, it's hands down the best gig you can get. Uh, financially, consistency, and it, it's work, and it's great, and it, it's brilliant. But what I did with Fair City, I, I didn't want to just, you know, do it for, so we agreed a kind of like a 16-month contract, and then when I go back, I love it in there, and it's, it's work, and, it's, and it's, it's fun. But I've been, I have been lucky. Like, it's been lucky to, to break away from that, to then, you know, trying to keep your face out there by, by doing stuff like Dance with the Stars, and then... Copperface Jack's the musical, which is which sounds absolutely insane, uh, is Paul Howard. He's a writer, Paul Howard. He's written all the Russell Carroll Kelly plays. Um, Kieran and Mandy actually came to see it, and pretty much it's it's very much like you know the it's Dublin versus Kerry. Pretty much it's about a guy called Gina Wiles, played by myself, who's the captain of the Dublin football team. And when he's not, because it's an amateur sport, when he's not. Uh, the captain of the Dublin football team, <laughs> he's a clamper. And he goes around illegally clamping people from the country, their cars. Uh, ironically, he falls in love with a, a big kind of stoutish girl from Kerry called Nolan, uh, who's from Carr and Kerry. And she's up in Dublin, living above Copperface Jacks in a one or in a bed set. And she's living her dream of uh, working in the claims department of the VHI. Then it's Dublin versus Kerry. It's very much like, you know, Celtic, um, Celtic and Rangers, that kind of, you know, that, that rivalry. But it's, it's a bit of a piss take. And people, it, it, we did it two years ago and it really took off. We did it last year as well. And then we were supposed to be doing a tour of it, uh, of it this year in, in the Olympia and Cork Opera House and UCH Limerick. 
obviously it's postponed due to COVID-19, but fingers crossed, I don't know, maybe October. But then you do something like that and you come off the stage and, you, you know, the finale is Maniac 2000 by Mark McCabe and you're jumping and you're hopping around. And then you're back to square one. You're like, right, what's, what's next? So, you know, I suppose what I'm getting at is you can take a four-year contract in a soap knowing peace of mind. Yeah, it's brilliant. This is great. You've got the work there. Or you can do the other thing, which is, you know, let's go from this gig to this gig. But the chances are you're not always going to get that audition. And the other chance is you can drive yourself mad with worry, thinking, oh, God, you know, what if I'm, what if I'm doing this and what if I'm doing that? And then there's, and there's the other side in the summer. That's one thing about coppers. It is in the summer because I'm not teaching in the summer. Or I'm not doing anything else. You have to go on the dole and you get dogs abused. You're like, that's your man. I love. Hey, look, he's not doing anything now. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's, it's a tough hell gig. Yeah, I think, I, I think people think that um, anyone that walks in the arts, uh, you know, and if they get a gig on TV, they're loaded. And, it's, you know, it's not the case. You know, not everybody, not everyone has the money, you know, of, of, of the superstars in Hollywood. And I think that's yeah. forgotten. And I do think the arts will suffer now with funding because of COVID-19. I yeah. do think it's one of the things that will be cut, yeah. which, which is unfortunate because, you know, yeah. all this brilliant content that we've watched during lockdown, a lot of that is funded from the arts and people just think, oh, the arts, the arts. But the arts is so important and so important to oil and to our culture. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it really is. Now, what I have you here, right? Am I correct in saying that you starred in a film with Sean Penn? Yeah, um, 2010. It was a film called... I remember just constantly going into the factory uh, on Barrow Street. That's where they would have shot Love, Hate. It was Maureen Hughes and... She had asked me to go in for this part uh, called Stephen, who was a musician. She said, can you play guitar and can you sing? I was like, yeah, okay. Uh, and I looked at it. I was like, Stephen, looking through the script, I was like, it's only like four scenes. And this is after like the fourth audition. I said, I wonder why I'm constantly being called in for this thing. So then she said, uh, we want you to meet the director. The director is Paolo Sarantino. He'd won like a, I think it was like a Golden Globe for uh film that he did called uh, El Diva. And I met him and he literally just said, I want to offer you part, but how would you feel about walking with, uh, working with Sean Penn? And I mean, I'm a massive Sean Penn fan, like massive, massive Sean Penn fan. I mean, even from, you know, uh, like 21 Grams or, or Carlito's Way and stuff with Pacino. And I thought he was like, you know, talking about Sean Penn from, from Drimda or down the road, you know? Oh, what these champagnes like yeah so it was amazing and it was a, it was a great little part because I got to do a scene with champagne I got to do a scene with Francis McDormand as well who's also an Oscar winner um the film is weird I don't know if you've seen it it's called this must be the place and uh it's about uh an ex musician who's sort of like Robert um Robert from the cure what's his name Robert Robert Smith so kind of a bit like that, an old or Marilyn Manson kind of star. And then he finds out that his father was killed by Nazis. And then it becomes this revenge film. And I'm just this musician who's looking to get signed. Not a massive part, but I suppose to, to work with Sean Penn and Francis McDormand was, I mean, it was amazing. It was incredible. Well, I have a little uh, Sean Penn story. And there was a couple of the Nave Park boys there. So we were on our way to Las Vegas in 2000 to one of the early conventions. We, we flew to L.A., We'd had a good bit to drink. We had about 10 hours to kill, and we ended up in Santa Monica, which is a great place to go for Sunday session, I have to say. We go into this bar, my big pal Hilly is there, and he goes over, and he sees this guy sitting at the bar, and he says, is that him? And I says, that's him. And he goes over, and he tips him on the shoulder. Now, 
it's not Sean Penn, it's Chris Penn. Chris Penn. Now, at this stage, I thought Hilly knew it was Chris Penn. So he goes over and he tips him on the shoulder. And he says, I thought you were great in Kalito's way. No, oh, you would have loved that. <laughs> so he turned around and he's sitting there drinking a bottle of whiskey with a big minder. And he turned around and he says, I made 42 movies and that ain't one of them. <laughs> but he was brilliant. He took it brilliant and he bought us all yeah. a drink and he took, let us come into really? his company. He let us come into his company and bought us a drink instead of the pictures. And we still talk about it. And on the way back, we stopped in Santa Monica and we ended up going on a full day session with the Welsh actor, Reese Evans. Oh, yeah, yeah. In the same bar, and we have yeah. all the we've all the pictures. We must have been on the bar with him for four or five hours, and he was wow. so delighted to see us because the night before he'd been at a party at, at, at Mel Gibson's house, and he says, "Yeah, no, nobody." He said, "Nobody goes on on the piss like we do at home," and he he was he was brilliant too, you know. So that's yeah. that's my Hollywood stories. So forty two movies, and that ain't one of them. And, <laughs> Johnny, and, and I can't have you on the podcast, Johnny, without giving a shout out to me mum and dad, uh, Marie and Tom. They loved John Dancing with the Stars. They're in their 80s and they used to love sitting down to watch it. And uh, my dad was tipping you to win all the way to the final. You got to the final. So give them a shout out there for me, will you? Marie and Tom, thank you so much for your support and Dance with the Stars. Absolute legends. He obviously didn't vote enough, though, so I'm annoyed with you. He definitely didn't vote with Tom, I don't think. Um, Johnny, it's it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, it's the first time we we spoke in person. I think we I think someone else done the interview for the magazine with you. Yeah. Um, now, am I right in saying you're a bit of a singer? I do a bit of singing, all right, yeah. So, would you finish with another verse of a song for us? Absolutely. What would you want me to sing? Well, well you pick. Oh, why not? Um. Was far across the sea when the devil got a hold of me, he wouldn't set me free. So I set me so for ransom. La 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 <laughs> Johnny, absolutely brilliant. It's what can I say? It's easier when I have the lads around me. I should have probably sung something a bit more. No. You're, you're the first guest to ever sing for us. Thank you so oh, much. Oh, you're top man. Listen, hail, I'm hail. Gonna, oh. I was going to sing. I'll bring it back in track next time. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Johnny, it's been an absolute pleasure, as I said. You had Big John on there a second ago, so I had big boots to fill. I think we're going to put John's interview out on Monday. Uh, some yeah. of the interviews run, run over. Um, the initial plan was to do two interviews, 58 minutes. But the interviews have been so good. We've been putting out yeah. our shows. He's, he's a gent, isn't he? Like, what an absolute gentleman. Uh, John is, John is uh, you know, John's one of the players that answers the phone. Yeah, listen, I, got, I remember, I've never I screenshotted it out to this day. And it was around, uh, just over a year ago, because they were doing a Celtic charity football match and I was asked to be involved in it. And I was like, oh. This is amazing. And, you know, I saw you had Bobby Petter on as well. He was playing John Hartson and uh, Celine Petrov. Uh, Brian, like Chucky, Brian McLaren. So many of them are playing. But John Hartson, you know, went out of his way to message me on Instagram. I was going, listen, I believe you're involved with the, the Dance with the Stars and uh, looking forward to, to meeting you next week. And I just thought, wow, you know, what? A, no ego, no nothing like that. Just And that's what I loved about That's what I love about Celtic matches. You meet them. They're just so down to earth. They've got time for everyone. 
all the things with the photographs and stuff. And uh, and it's always just a good night. I can't wait for the next one. Yeah, well, John's a council estate boy, you know. He, 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 didn't, grow, he didn't grow up with a silver <laughs> spoon in his mouth, you know. I just, it was for Darndale FC. And I remember some of the lads from Darndale FC. And after, just before the, after the match, the lads were looking out the window, right? <laughs> we're in Darndale. There's some lane there. And there's Bobby Pettit and John Hartson drinking bottles of course light down the lane. We're just like, you couldn't write this. Is this like a dream? Do you know what I mean? Looking to your left, there's Petrov and Pettit and they, drinking bottles of course light down the Darndale lane. It was unbelievable. And it's funny, Bobby Pettit was saying to John Hartson, I know what they were talking about there. Bobby was saying, is that your man out of Fair City? And I was love hate. He's a massive love hate. <laughs> He was there, he, go, he comes over and he goes, I got the bone to pick with you. <laughs> it's like this. <laughs> uh, Bobby's great as well. He, I, lo- I love having the crack with Bobby. He's doing a bit of house DJ now. We had him on the show uh, earlier on in the week. I, I, I'm losing me days with this, with the, with the virus, because every day That's it's good. going into each other. Um, yeah, but so hopefully hopefully we'll get back to normal some stage and get back to Glasgow. And yeah. we'll have a point maybe with it, maybe in the Arthur Excellent. Hotel. Yeah, we'll go back to that place and hopefully we'll meet someone else this time. Brad Pitt be a good one to meet with me. Yeah, well, I did I did ring him, but he, he didn't return me call. I was trying to get him on the podcast <laughs> about, about a few nights he had out in Glasgow. Johnny, hail, hail, and thanks very much. Hail, hail. Any time at all, man. I think Johnny's passion for Celtic shines through there as we chatted. Tune in on Tuesday, folks, where I will be chatting to John Harton. Folks, keep the comments coming in. Keep the recommendations for guests coming in. And don't forget, if you have a story to tell, we want to hear it on the show. And don't forget, folks, to visit the website, CelticFanzine.com, for fanzine updates, merchandise, and also daily news and articles on Celtic as we look forward to the new season starting. Also, please visit our social media pages on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you'll never miss an episode. Well, thanks again for listening, and have a great weekend. And don't forget, it won't be too long before we're back in the pub sipping big points against. Keep the faith, and most importantly, stay safe.